If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Skids off to Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring it down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. Another tough one, man. Another tough one. Week 11 for the Colts. That one hurt. Now, I think it's Tuesday. I think most Colts fans are still kind of picking at the scab from Sunday. 17-16 heartbreaker to the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, Wednesday is sort of that day, uh, NFL nomenclature, if you will, the day of the week where you kind of turn the page and you get ready for the next game. But it's yeah, he had a 10-point lead there in the fourth quarter. Lair Overton. On to the next one. On to the next Yeah, one. well, that was tough. That was That's tough. That's a Swizz Beats reference, Mate, which a I'm what? sure you didn't get. Yeah, exactly. Swizz Beats and Jay-Z. Oh, do tell. Well, it's that's a just a song. On to the next one, and they just repeat that. Like, yeah, that's the beat. That's the beat. Yeah. On oh, to the next I think one. I have heard on that. On to the next one. Wow, you have. I think I have. Well, you explained it very well, so I, I do think <laughs> I have heard that. Yes, but I never would have known what it was based on the name of it. Yeah. yeah. There was something you said last week about no, it's about Soldier Boy. Where you didn't know what Soldier Boy was. Yep. Yep. And my oh, wife, because I mentioned Paris Campbell celebration. Yeah. Yes. And my wife goes, Mate's around your guy's age. How does he not know what that is? It takes a lot of work, actually. <laughs> it takes a lot of work to be this oblivious. Like, it, well, no, I feel like, like Mate at his core is really like a fifty-eight-year-old man, like right, like well, he, I mean, he just classic, rock just incredibly and... simple though. Like just stay in my lane, and, and it, if it doesn't punch me in the face, you know, uh, odds are I'm not going to know about it. Stay in my lane, keep my head down, and I don't veer uh, far from from what I need to know. See, like me at my core, I think I'm really like a like a thirteen-year-old boy because I like all. all always make like inappropriate comments mm-hmm. I, you know i laugh at everything you should be on the I'm bob and messy. tom show the maturity level of a sophomore <laughs> in high school that's this is where i fit in that is my on my audience me and christy lee over there yeah well you guys were inside that locker room again it's just really really disappointing the way that game ended considering how well the colts defense played we'll talk about that more in depth coming up but jj you were inside that locker room how did that atmosphere compare to some of the other tough losses this team has had so far this season you go back to the commanders game the tennessee game you know where does that kind of stack up in terms of disappointment and how guys are dealing with it it's unfortunately similar matt because the the things we heard from players after the game are the things we've heard Mm -hmm. after frankly quite a few losses this year of you know it, it comes down to execution we need to execute better we need to execute in critical moments when we get in uh, you know, goal to go at the five-yard line, we need to execute. We need to come away with seven points. And I don't think there there's the, – the good thing that I got, Matt, is that this team is still fighting. There wasn't any resignation. Um, I've been in locker rooms at this stage of the season where you start to hear resignation creeping in, and I didn't get that sense from the Colts after this game that they are resigned to their fate this year. There still is a chance. I mean, look, if the Colts win out, I know no one wants to hear it right now, but the Colts win out, they're probably going to make the playoffs. So until they are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, this team is going to continue battling. Jeff Saturday said he thought the effort was really good. But again, they just have to execute better. And, you know, Matt Ryan talked about it too, Lara, that it's kind of a boring answer just to say we have to execute, we have to execute. But that's what it comes down to. When you when you don't execute the play calls in critical situations, then – 
you're not going to come away with enough points to beat an Eagles team that, by the way, was held to under 20 points for the first time all season. Right. I think one of the things for one of the things for me that that stands out is we heard it reiterated, and in talking with the coaches, they said last week. You know, they went out on the practice field on Wednesday. It was snowing. They made they made an effort to go outdoors. Jeff Saturday said he really likes getting on the grass. They it, there was a different energy when they got out on the practice field on Wednesday, and that carried through Thursday and Friday. And to hear from so many people who said, we had fantastic, crisp, sharp, high-energy, up-tempo practices, why can that not translate to four full quarters of football? You score points on your opening drive for the first time all season long, and then you stall out in every opportunity that you have in the red zone. (laughs) Jonathan Taylor fumbles in a critical situation. You talked about being, what, on the five-yard line? You settle for three points? You cannot settle for three points against the Philadelphia Eagles. You just can't. You cannot rely on your defense to bail you out week in and week out. And that's something that we've heard from – so many players on offense this year, Lara, that they're, they are frustrated not just for themselves, but because they feel like the defense is bailing them out. And, I mean, you can't... You get it's tired been, of that after a while. Yeah, and it's been awesome what Stephon Gilmore has done Especially this year. Especially with the way Philadelphia will press and test yes. the endurance of a defense, too. That last right. long drive, I mean... But, I mean, even then, I mean, the, the way that the Eagles got in the end zone was basically they ran an unscouted look with yeah. the, the quarterback draw. And, I mean, you can't, like, again, you can, what Stephon Gilmore has done has been awesome. He has won the Colts three of four games, but you can't yeah. Yeah. count on that every single week because guess what the Eagles didn't do on that last drive? They didn't let Stephon Gilmore make a play. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is something that this offense knows they have to be better. And at the end of the season, if the Colts are not a playoff team, they could have a top 10 defense. They could have a top eight defense and be on the outside looking in because the offense was not able to execute this yeah, year. Just not able to hold up their end of the bargain. That's been the theme all season long. I got some stats that are, I mean, they blow my mind. I'm sure you guys have seen them. But this is the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet. We're going to talk about all of that coming up. Lara Overton is here, JJ Stangovitz. I'm Matt Taylor, and we are lamenting. The 17-16 loss to the Eagles. Coming up today, we're also going to hear from ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano. He was at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. He was covering the Colts-Eagles game for ESPN Radio. And we're going to have a chat coming up with uh, Vice Chairman uh, for the Colts and owner Kalen Jackson about kicking the stigma and uh, the kicking the stigma game Monday night against the the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, J.J., 4-6-1 the Colts have lost four of their last five. You've had so many close games this year. Now, all things considered, you know, seemingly every game in the NFL is coming down to the wire. I believe there's a stat, Matt, that... Like, it's the most through 11 yeah, games ever yeah. in NFL history. It's like over 125 games on the on the whole this year. But all things considered, the Colts are 4-3-1. and one. But the fact that you've had the, these last two home games against NFC East teams sort of end and result in, in an identical fashion, right, where you're up 10 points in the fourth quarter, you lose by the identical score of 17-16, to 16. defense lets it slip away, they play great throughout, but they don't play a full 60-minute game. I just think psychologically, had they gotten these last two games at home, they'd be in a much better position. I know the the, the fan base is still thinking about that. It, it's coulda, woulda, shoulda, but I think when the season's over, you might look back at these opportunities that – 
they let slip through the cracks. So, here. Matt, you, you mentioned the Colts are four, three, and one in one score games this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like that's kind of about right. Like most teams are going to go around five hundred in one score games. That's and if eight, you go, eight of their eleven games, right? By the way. And if you go below five hundred in one score games, you're probably like, ah, yeah. you know, you get to the end of the season, you're just like, oh man, we like we're like three plays away from being really good this year. And if you go over five hundred in one score games. You know, you come away thinking like, oh, we just we executed really well in those situations, but right. most teams probably fall in the middle where the Colts are. But I was thinking about this driving in today, Matt, was you like because I was thinking like, oh, man, you know, if the, if the Colts made like one more play against the Texans, OK, you're you're what, five, five and one mm-hmm. or no, sorry, not five. You are five, six, <laughs> the, you're five. And the, six. Tie, the tie's hard. Boy, I mean, yeah. doing that math was that was challenging. You're five and six, and you're like, okay, you're you're not feeling significantly better, but you're not, you know, you you feel like you still have a chance. The AFC playoff race is pretty wide open for those last couple wild card spots. Mm-hmm. But the the flip side of it is the Colts have made plays at the end of games against Jacksonville, Kansas City, Las Vegas, you know, Denver to win those games, and it it's hard when your season has to come down to one score games. And the Colts are 0-3 when games have been decided by more than a touchdown. And that, I think, is is where you want to see improvement. You want to see improvement in, hey, go control a game start to finish and win by 10. You don't have to do it a ton, but when you go 0-3 in those games, then your margin for error in the one-score games becomes very small. Right. And you start lamenting, you know, a one-point loss to the best team in the NFC in the Philadelphia Eagles. You start, you know, thinking back to, oh, could we have done this differently in that game against Washington? And, you're, you know, it's what the Colts have talked about all year. Their margin for error is small. And when they're on the wrong side of it, there's really not much, you know, Coming back from it this year, but every team's dealing with it though. I mean, Kansas City four and two in one possession games, but Kansas City wins games by over a touchdown, right? But I'm saying they've still played six. Right, half of their games right. have been decided by one score. Miami sits at number two in the AFC. They're five and one in one score games, and the poster child for success in close games. And the Colts know this all too well. The Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, yes. absolutely, they are seven and three well, in one score games this year. Here's the thing: you just got to stop making it so dang hard on yourself and giving up sacks Turnovers. under five minutes, right. turning the ball over, right. getting penalized on a final opportunity yeah. with a drive going when you have Matt Ryan at quarterback. That's the thing: is that. You look at a team like Tennessee, the reason they capitalize on the opportunity to close out single-score games is because they're disciplined and they don't have those self-inflicted errors. That's what it is, is this team has just made it so difficult on themselves and put themselves back against the wall time and time again. I can't think of a time when they've just been able to go out and play loose and play fast and just, you know, just own and dominate a game and have fun out there playing because time and time again, it's these type of opportunities where you've put yourself in such a deficit that you have to climb out of. So the the Colts in that game against Las Vegas, which to date kind of feels like their best game of the year, they only had two negative plays in that game. This season, Lara, the Colts have 81 negative plays, so plays on which they have lost yardage. That's the second most in the NFL 
couple stats on this. Only the L.A. Rams are averaging more yards lost per negative play than the Colts, who are losing about five yards per negative play. And of those 81 negative plays, 40 have come <clears throat> inside the opponent's 40-yard line. That's the most in the NFL. And 17 have come in the red zone, tied for the most in the NFL. That's why you're not scoring. Right. That's right there. That's why you're that, not scoring. That knocks you off in terms of down and distance and off schedule, you know, with, with you know, third and two is all of a, all of a sudden third and seven. Right. Big difference right there. And it's one thing to get a negative play on your own 30-yard line. It's okay. You'll punt. Right. It's such a emotional gut punch to have a negative play in the red zone. And, you know, you get that third and goal from the five against Philly and Matt Ryan has to take a 14-yard sack. You know, right. that that type of thing is such a gut punch to a team mm-hmm. that though those count for so much over the course of a game. And I think that's what you're talking about, Lara, is that this team, they, they haven't played a whole lot of games where it's just been like, man, like those guys are out there. You can tell they're executing. They're having fun. You know, they're keeping the defense on their heels you're not seeing that a whole lot this year, and that leads to the one-score games, which leads to right. the degree of difficulty the Colts have had to face this season. Yeah, that, that's my point, is, is everybody's playing one-score games, and the teams that make the playoffs are winning the one-score games. So it's not just you know isolated to the Colts in terms of all these games coming down to the wire. Everybody's playing tight games, and the teams that go on and have success are finding ways to win and finding ways to close out. So you have to play a full 60-minute game. All right. Thanksgiving's coming up, guys. Thursday is the big day, Turkey Day. A lot to be thankful for this year, but the Colts definitely have left us all wanting more this season. Um, There's still six games to go, and I know this is going to be cheesy, but I'm trying to tie it in to Lara's favorite day of the year. I love this. And she loves sides, not so much turkey, not so much the entrees. You're a big side gal when it comes to sides. I'll take sides over dessert, too. Like sides. I would agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. The Colts, they need to fill up their Thanksgiving plate with a few ingredients. What do they need on their Thanksgiving plate to get back into this thing, to make a legitimate push with six games to go? Before we get into that, though, Lara, I want to talk more about your sides. Yes. What, what, what is the ideal Thanksgiving plate for you? If it doesn't include turkey... Uh, yeah, on? I don't. I don't like turkey really at all. Like, uh, uh, yeah, so, I'm with you on uh, that. Yeah, just, yeah. just, yeah. I, uh, you know, give that to Tugboat. He gets a nice little. <laughs> he can take my portion. Uh, I go sweet potato casserole, stuffing, and cranberry sauce. There you and go. I like to eat it in one forkful, like a little dab. Oh, of, yeah, a nice. Dab uh-huh. of each. Nice. Um, yeah, that's primarily it. Throw some maybe green beans on there oh, too yeah. for some. No, little, thank you. No, you, know, you can yeah, have I like mine. Some, I, I like a little green beans. I'm gonna load you up. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I go for right there. JJ, uh, mashed potatoes, mm. stuffing. Yep. Love a good Brussels sprout on oh, Thanksgiving. Same. I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. Give me yes. the Brussels sprouts. I will get a little bit of turkey, um, preferably kind of the dark meat. It's the Ugh. the white meat just dries out a little bit too much. Okay. Um, Hey. I've made my own turkey the last two years. I'm not doing it this year. Oh, uh, but I brined it for about eight to twelve hours That's before commitment. throwing it in the oven. It turned out great. <laughs> I actually really liked it. Wow! I just boy. got a big, big bucket filled with ice and some brine. Maybe I just I, need I to try JJ's meat. That's what I need to do. Yeah, I, I mean, like I'm, I, I've, I'm going to, pl- you know, plant my flag. I'm good at making turkey. All right. Because I like the turkey that I make. There my mom has go. since taken over making turkey. And she's very good at it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you go to family functions and sometimes the turkey, it's, you know, it's right. it's like the scene in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation yeah. where it's like everyone's, you know, <laughs> chewing on like beef jerky. <laughs> save some of that neck, right? Yeah, save <laughs> the neck for me, Clark. Um, it, you know, sometimes you get that and like that turkey, 
you once you have one bad experience with that kind of turkey, I totally get it. if you're like, yeah. I don't want this anymore. Would you call that a foul experience? Ha! Oh, yeah, boy, that this well meat done. is for the birds. I thought that's... you didn't like dad jokes, Lara. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, if I spend this much time with you, Matt, inevitably oh. I'm gonna have one. <laughs> you're gonna once start, in a start while. gobbling it up. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Hey, hot take here. I, you guys know this about me. If I was commissioner for a day, first thing I would do is I would move the Super Bowl from. Oh. Sunday to Saturday night. Yep. Are you with yep. me on that? Yeah, absolutely yep. okay. with you. Second thing is, second order of business, and I would not hesitate, I would take the Lions off of Thanksgiving. Yeah. See I ya. get that. I get Later. That. Although Dan Campbell has made it interesting. You're going to regret there. that next year when the Lions are drafted, the, when they have the so. fifth overall pick from the L.A. Rams, and they have a pretty good team next year. <laughs> well, that's fine. I just won't watch them on Thanksgiving. I <laughs> just watch them on Sunday like everybody else. Hey, it wasn't too long ago that the Colts played the Steelers on Thanksgiving. Mayte, you and I were both at Lucas Oil Stadium for that game. Yeah, yeah. What what year was that? Uh, 2017? 20, 17 or 18. I can't remember which. I think it was 17 because okay. that was the last time the Steelers played here. There I did yeah. I did three Thanksgiving games in Detroit on my four years on the Bears beat. Not wow. bitter about it at all. Wow. Um, they Detroit has a Thanksgiving spread in their press box that you have to eat because the game kicks off at, you know, twelve thirty. Yeah, right. So you're eating Thanksgiving dinner at about ten thirty AM. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's not as good when you're eating it at ten thirty AM. No, you're gonna fall asleep in the yeah, third quarter. Because I'm like I'm trying to like cut back like I don't want all the trip to fan. I don't want to have like heavy, you know, mashed potatoes or whatever. So I'm like nibbling on it and then I'm like they need to just serve like a brunch, you know, like right, like, a, yes. like a nice, like a nice spread. And then like the, a, sa- yeah. the saddest Thanksgiving dinner I've ever had was driving back from the Bears Lions game in 2019 with my old partner at NBC Sports Chicago, and we had Thanksgiving off the McDonald's dollar menu because my old company was cheap. Oh, that is a <laughs> your allotment was what sad. 20 bucks between the two of you. I mean. Hey, keep Uh-oh. those travel expenses down, boys. I'm with Have you. your uh, McChicken for Thanksgiving. At least it's a <laughs> bird. Chicken. Hey, Mayte, what is your Thanksgiving plate? I don't think we got so yours. So my aunt makes this, like, uh, I think it's called banana bread. Oh, my. And it's got, like, a frosting on the top oh of it. My. And she slices it up, and it is. I've never seen anybody else have it or talk about it around Thanksgiving. But I have it one time a year. That's probably why I like it so much and revere it so much. But it is it is something that uh, I definitely save room for on Thanksgiving. So I'll be on the South Side for Thanksgiving because that's where. Oh, we're gonna my, be. Um, uh, it's at well, it's at Dan's aunt and uncle's house. So we'll we'll be in Greenwood, down so, in the wood. D- yeah. So maybe well, I should just drive on through. Come and on get down. Myself a little slice come on of some, down. Uh, the water's banana, fine. Banana cake there. <laughs> what I'm getting at here for Thanksgiving. <laughs> that was a long tangent. I'm sorry about that. The Thanksgiving tie-in to the Colts is I want you guys to fill in the blank. All right, just follow me on this. JJ, you go first. I want you to lead us off here. So we'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about the defense. The Colts' offense on Thanksgiving, JJ, needs a main course of blank to find consistency in these last six games. What's on their plate? I think it's going to start up front with the offensive line. So they need a main course of good offensive line play. Gotcha. And, I mean, look, it, you're never going to have a completely clean game. The other guys get paid, too. Game coming up, T.J. Watt might be one of the best, the best edge rusher in the NFL. Um, Cam Hayward's a great player on that Steelers defensive line. But there, there were just too many instances, and again, to go back to the negative plays, those are runs that lose yardage and sacks for the most part. Mm-hmm. And not all runs that lose yardage are on the O-line. Not all sacks are on the O-line. The Colts need to get the kind of consistency they had on the O-line 
the the sort of that they had against Las Vegas, that needs to show up every week. And you know, you're seeing got like Quentin Nelson has been playing really well over the last couple of games. Like you turn on the tape, he's playing really well. You see flashes of it with Bernard Ryman. You know, I know he he had an up and down game against Philly, but you know, I'm looking at a, the Jonathan Taylor, the 28 yard run he had. Ryman did such a good job, kind of cleaning up and setting, uh, you know, kind of the inside part of the hole for Taylor to get through. Um, you know, you see it with him; like it, it's there. Um, and the Colts know they're going to live with some growing pains with Bernard Ryman, with Will Fries. But I think you need to just get more consistency yeah. out of that group, and that will then lead to better overall consistency from this offense. And and the thing. Guys, is we've seen this line do it. We have seen this line do it, whether it's been in years past, whether it's been in a handful of games this year. Mm -hmm. This group has it in them. They just need to do it consistently. Yeah, I think we would all agree with that. Lair, I'm going to you for number two. I've got thoughts on this, but I want to hear what you have to say. The Colts' defense, fill in the blank on this one. The Colts' defense on Thanksgiving, Lara, should fill up on blank in order to get better or in order to close games out in close games in crunch time. Stamina. Oh. It's a carbohydrate-centered oh. holiday, right? Love and it. that's what you need. We always th- you talk about carb loading for a marathon. Stamina is what they're going to need because, as we've seen it all season long, the defense is going to have to be the ones to be out there closing games out in critical right. situations. So I'm going with some stamina. Yeah, I've right got a there. similar answer. It's 60 minutes, which is basically the same thing. They need to fill up on 60 minutes in order to better close games out. Because the hard truth is, this defense, and we all we talked about it, it it's had to carry the team all year, and that's probably going to be the case for the final six games, right? I mean, and especially with some of the teams you got coming. Yeah, got coming and out. it just stinks when that unit, the defense, gives up only 17 points and, and just over 300 yards to a great offense like Philadelphia, and you can't collect a win. You don't have anything to show and for And for 58 of those minutes, you're only giving up 10. Right. From that standpoint, you try not to be too critical because, again, by and large, this season the defense has been awesome. But at the end of the day, it's all about did you score more points than the other team? There's four quarters of football. The fourth quarter in the NFL sort of like the last four minutes of the NBA or the back nine on mm-hmm. you know a, a major in, in uh, professional golf or the Masters, right? So when your offense is scoring only 15 points per game, you got to tell yourself on defense, and I'm sure some of those guys are, guys, we can't give up 20 today. And holding a team to 20 points in the NFL, I think, is a tremendous feat in modern-day National Football League. And the Colts have done that seven times. Think about that. The Colts have held teams to 20 points or less in seven games on the season, and they are 3-3-1 three, three, and one in those games. I think when that's, you, that's crazy. It, crazy. It is. And it, it just shows – I think when you look around the league and you see some teams that are going through what the Colts are going through, the Denver Broncos, they have that defense is awesome. Yeah. Ajirovro is doing such a good job with them. They got dudes who fly around the field. And that that Denver team, they're what? Uh three and seven? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard to to rely on a defense as much as the Colts are relying on their defense in a league that's geared toward offense. It's just it's hard to do that, right? And you know, I, I kind I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Matt, where you don't want to go too hard in on on the Colts' defense because to hold Philly, no, not, Philly and Kansas City, right, by the to way, seventeen to seventeen points. Yeah. No, I'm not being critical. Yeah. At all. I'm I'm just pointing out that that's their lot 
in this season. They're, they're having to shoulder all of this responsibility and to drive it home even further. I mean, it's all about passing, right? It's a passing league. The Colts have held five teams to under 200 yards passing, and they're one and four in those games. So, you know, I mean, Rick Venturi talked about it on Colts Monday night the other night saying, well, if the defense was truly elite, they'd have more wins. Again, that's the reality of it, but you just you just have to do what you have to do that day to win the football game. But by and large, there's no doubt this defense has really taken a good step forward in year number one under Gus Bradley. You play to win the that's, game. Hello! Right, and and that's why it goes back to what I said earlier. The, the two 10-point leads that you let slip away in these last two home games, that's what really hurts is because you thought you, you did enough to win the game, and you had to carry the offense, and you still – didn't make enough plays in the final 90 seconds, and you still come home with heartbreak and Mm -hmm. a lot of angst thinking about what could have been record-wise. All right, the last one, Thanksgiving. Fill in the blank, Lara. The offensive line needs a side of blank on Turkey Day to open up larger lanes in the running game going forward. Discipline. Yep. Don't give up sacks. Don't get penalties. That that just do your job, just execute. That's it. Got a lot of pretty good D lines that the Colts are going to face down the stretch. Whether it's the Steelers, like I was just talking about, mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys have Micah Parsons, who might be the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, Darius Smith is having a really good year right. over there. It's it's going to be a challenge for these guys down the stretch, but. I think what what I want to see is I want to see growth out of Bernard Ryman and Will Fries down the stretch. I mean, the, those dudes, the guys they were going up against on the Eagles, like Brandon Graham has been playing football since before Bernard Ryman ever set foot in America. Yeah, since 2010, yeah. right? Or the you NFL. Know, and then Fletcher right. Cox, he also debuted in 2010, mm-hmm. and he's going head up against Will Fries and Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Sue, who just step in and look like wreckers on that Eagles D-line. They've also been in the league for over a decade. Those veterans, you know, they they won some reps against the Colts' young guys. I think you want to see improvement from Ryman and Fries as the season goes on. And I think Jeff Saturday brings a really good perspective to it mm-hmm. where he's not going to reflexively be like, ah, you know, get him on the bench. Like, I think he understands the growth mindset that young offensive linemen need to have. I think he sees that out of those two guys. Um, I think what, you know, Bernard Ryman, Larry, did you have a chance to talk to Bernard after the game Bernie, Sunday? I did not. Bernie, Bernie was great talking about, you know, this is, you know, he, he if he gets beat on a play, he's not hanging his head because of himself. He's got to move on to the next play because it's all about the team. It's not about him. Mm-hmm. His mindset is so good. He's, he's such a competitor out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he, he's got what it takes you just want to see that consistency go, you know, grow yeah. as you're going to see with a lot of rookies in that spot. Um, you know, I think that's kind of what I'm looking for over these last six games. There you go. That's some Thanksgiving recipes right there. Well done. All right, let's, let's put the offensive line in a brine. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Marinate them. They're fine. They'll be they'll be great next year. Just give them time to soak. All right, let's talk about this game, Colts and Eagles, from a different perspective. As promised, joining us now, ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano. We got him on the horn right now. He was on the call on Sunday for Colts and Eagles on ESPN Radio. Dan, thanks for the time today. How are you? 
Great. How are you, Matt? We're doing great. Doing great. I really appreciate the time. I know it's busy. I know you've got a lot going on before the holiday on Thanksgiving. Great game between the Colts and Eagles. Obviously disappointing from a, from a Colts perspective. But after seeing the Colts up close and in person, Dan, what did you make of them on the field? Where are you with this team after 11 games? It's certainly been a very up-and-down season for the Colts in Indianapolis. Well, I think the defense is obviously legit, and, and this is not – like they're hand-wringing in Philadelphia about is the offense going to be okay, and I think a lot of times, you know, people forget the perspective of the other side gets paid too, and, and that Colts defense has made a lot of offenses look bad this year, and I think they'll continue to do that, which is really impressive, by the way, considering uh, they're probably without their best player in Shaq Leonard, right, mm-hmm. and have been for, for almost the entire season. So, so good for them, uh, and I think they'll keep them in games. The question is – you know, is on the offensive side of the ball, and are they going to be able to score consistently? And, you know, Sunday was one of those games where you're like, all right, well, they got 17, and then we'll just hang on, or 16, sorry, hang on, you know, and hope that the defense can hold them off. That's a tough way to live week in, week out in the, in the, in the 2022 NFL. And uh, unless they can find something more productive, more consistent um, on offense, then I think it's going to be like that for most of the year. I mean, you know, I think they went in, coming off a week where Washington ran the ball on Philadelphia thinking they'd be able to do that. Uh, and they had success on the first drive, but then they kind of didn't have success after that. So Philadelphia made some adjustments. Uh, they obviously added some key pieces to the middle of the defensive line and during the week, and I think that helped. But, um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to figure out something on offense. And, frankly, I mean, that, that should be their biggest challenge because it's no offense to anybody still in the building, but, I mean, the two highest-ranking offensive coaches from the start of the year are no longer there, right? So, like, you have people putting this thing together that don't have a lot of experience doing it, uh, and I think it'll be it'll continue to be a challenge. Dan, I saw you in Foxborough. We chatted briefly before we left Gillette Stadium and then catch on the sidelines uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium for the game against Philly. No offense, but I'm not sure I want to see you anymore this year because yeah. the outcome well, is not optimal. I kind of liken it to if uh, Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel shows up in your town, you know doom is happening. <laughs> like There is some sort of natural disaster. That is our Dan Graziano. Well, I'll say this: every every game I've been to this year, someone has lost. So uh, that, that's <laughs> fair point. It really is about your perspective. Um, look, it, it's you know, it's funny. I mean, but the, the feeling around the team is different than it was after. I mean, the Foxborough, yeah, that was a low point, right? I mean, obviously, it's a low point. The head coach got fired the next day. That that's not that's stating the obvious. But I mean, they got over fourteen on third down. I mean, they couldn't do anything. So I think you know, with Matt Ryan back in there, and you know, Jonathan Taylor healthy. I mean, I think there's there's reasons to point to, you know, to, for hope. I mean, they played the best team in the league record-wise mm-hmm. uh, and, and held them off until the final minute and a half. That's that's not nothing, right? <laughs> so yeah. that, that gives you something to build on. And I think, you know, I, I you guys know I worked with Jeff Saturday for a of number of years. I mean, we're still close. So I texted with him after the game that it was good to see him. And, you know, I think he felt like, they had that thing, and they need to figure out how to finish those games and, and put those games away. And that's, uh, that's a better place to be than can't convert a third down, which is where they were a couple weeks earlier. You mentioned Jeff and the obvious impact that he had. You saw that he injected something in this team going into Las Vegas. That being said, with the offensive production they have had or have lacked, maybe might be a better way to describe it. How tall is the task for Jeff moving forward? What is feasible for him to be able to do now with very limited time remaining on the season and some really tall tasks ahead of them when you look at the schedule? 
Yeah, and, and I, I mean, it's significant. And I think he goes in eyes open. I mean, he knows that. He knows the situation. He's been around the team. He knows, you know, the, the people in that organization very well. He, he knows he wasn't taken over, you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs in the middle of the season, right? Like, this is, a, this is a team that has struggled and has put itself behind the eight ball. So, I mean, they'll do what they can. I, I think he has showed us uh, in the first couple of weeks that he can get a team prepared to play a game, great. That's encouraging, and, and we'll see. I mean, the matchups are going to be tough, and there are going to be weeks where they are outmatched offensively That just because of the fact that they haven't put it together on offense for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, you steal one here and there. You take advantage of, of a team that's in even worse shape, as they did in Vegas a couple weeks ago, and you might be able to hang in this thing. Seven teams from each conference make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not – the old Yogi Berra, it's not over till it's over. they got a lot of work to do, and I think they know that. And the odds are certainly against them. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, you guys are around there. Like, I mean, it seems from the outside like something has woken up here the last couple of weeks, which often happens when coaches get fired, uh, unfortunately for that coach, that it takes that. But uh, it does seem like there's a little bit of a different energy. That's Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, with us. Danny, you just talked about your relationship with with Jeff. You know, working at ESPN, and I mean, there's no denying he's just an unbelievable guy. He's a great leader. He's just got this great personality about him. You certainly had to compartmentalize your feelings and, and covering that story from a personal standpoint, but also from a professional standpoint. Um, were you surprised as as most were with that outside the box hiring? And and how do you see this working out in the end after this eight game trial run with Jeff Saturday as the interim coach here with the Colts? Yeah, I, obviously I was very surprised. I didn't see it coming. Um, and uh, whether whether Jeff did or not, you know, if he did, then he kept it close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not hard for me to compartmentalize because. I mean, Jeff knows exactly what my job is, right? <laughs> like if he hears me being critical, he knows where that's coming from, right? Yeah. And, and, and he's sat next to me while I've done it to others. So um, I, think it's, I think it's, you know, the issues that have been raised by people outside about the hiring and, you know, do owners hire their buddies and, and not, you know, diversify the list of candidates. These are all legitimate questions and legitimate discussions that, that, that are being had and should be had. It's an interim hire, right? Like, at the end of the season, they're going to have to go through a process, even if the owner wants to keep Jeff as the head coach, which we have no idea. It's going to depend on whether Jeff would want to do it, how the rest of the season goes, et cetera, et cetera. Even if that's the case, he still has to go through a real interview process and bring other people in. So, you know, if, if that process happens and the end result is one that feels fishy to people, then fair enough. But uh, a midstream, you know, week nine change of head coach, I, I think it's, you know, it, we want somebody in there to – to stabilize things and it looks early on as if that has happened so i mean yeah i don't have the issue with it as an interim hire i think if it, if it were a full-time hire in the off season and those questions got raised i think those would be uh, i think those would be things that would be you know that they'd have to answer for you mentioned against the eagles how well the defense played i mean all the way up until the final what 90 seconds of the game philadelphia had a streak of games with at least 20 points, the longest active streak in the NFL with 14, for the Indianapolis defense to hold them to 17 points and to have had such consistent production that they've had throughout the majority of the season. When you look back to the Kansas City game in particular and and some of the outings that they've had since, where have you been most impressed with what Gus Bradley has done with this defense and some of the new pieces that were brought in this year. We're well familiar with Unique Ngakwe and, and Stephon Gilmore across the league, but in particular, how Gus has done with that system. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Gus Bradley's an experienced defensive coordinator has had success a lot of places. Like, it's not surprising to me that he's got them playing well. With And you mentioned those players, you know, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart. I mean, these are big-time, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. defensive linemen that are um, that, that are a, a difficult task for anyone to handle. So he's got the ingredients and he's got the experience, and yeah, I'm not surprised that they have a good defense. Again, it's to his credit and the credit of the other players that they're able to be this good without Leonard, who has been such a key part of what they've done on defense for so many years. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not, I'm not surprised. I, I think it's I think it's definitely you know going into the season it looked like it ought to be a strength of their team, uh, and it has played out that way. Unfortunately, the issues on the other side of the ball have uh, have cost them some games. And with Shaq Leonard just had surgery, another procedure last week how concerned should the Colts be with his availability his health his durability moving forward with the way 2022 unfolded yeah and how could you not be I mean there were issues in 2021 with it right at the beginning of the year so I mean you hope that I mean a player he's still young right a player that's great you hope that it's a blip right but and you see you see it go either way it could be somebody overcomes the early career injury issues and has a long productive career and you see some players where it wears them down and accumulates and so obviously the hope would be that it's the first but if your question is how concerned should they be i, I think yeah i think it's, it's definitely a, a concern because the nature of this game the nature of the position he plays the nature of the way he plays it uh certainly lends itself to uh you know physical difficulties, right, to, to potential injury, to wearing down over the course of time. So it's something they're going to have to manage when they get to the offseason, figure out what the plan is for, for his recovery and moving forward. They're going, to have to, they're going to have to factor all of this in and what yeah. they can do to try and avoid situations like this in the future. Stan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider. Dan, I know this is you know, probably way before I should be asking you this, but since we have you here, I, I realize there's six yeah, games to go, but – I mean, what what do you see for the Colts in the off season at quarterback? Can they roll it back with Matt Ryan, oh. and and how deep is this college crop of quarterbacks that might be viable for teams to take guys in the first round next spring? Yeah, I am probably not the right guy to ask. Yeah, about I I understand. That. Yeah, yeah, right. I, just, I haven't really dug in. No, and I'm not being. I'm not trying to be smart here. I'm just sure. Like sure. I just don't have the the, the base. Of, I mean, certainly it's a topic that comes up, but it's not something I've been very focused on. So. My understanding, uh, you know, 30,000-foot view, is that the perspective around the league is it's a, it's a pretty good year to be a, a team that needs to take a quarterback in the first round. So, so maybe there's somebody out there, um, you know, that, that, that could solve this problem, that could, be, that could be the week one starter two years in a row, for goodness sake. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't that be nice for a change? Look, they have to get off of this wheel. They have to – I mean, Matt Ryan's contract – you know, could could bring him back next year, and if he finishes the season strong and wants to come back, then maybe you do that, and and maybe you draft a guy that that can sit behind him for a little while. I think everything's got to be on the table for Indianapolis at quarterback. But I think the one thing they need to stop doing, and this is you know again not critical of of Chris or of any of the guys they've brought in, but like you gotta you gotta stop figuring. Oh, we'll just be able to patch it together. We'll just get whoever the best option is out there on the free agent market or the trade market. But at some point, you got to have a long-range plan at the position uh, and nurture it and and uh, and build around it. And they just have not been able to do that. Now, Dan, I just want to plan moving forward. Can you let me know what your travel schedule is, if any of your assignments include Colts games moving forward that we should be <laughs> aware of? I'll give you the rest of it as far as I know. Here's as much as <laughs> oh, I know. oh, yeah. Let's get the scoop. In, I'm going to be in Tennessee on Sunday. 
and that's what I know. Okay. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> I love it. What about Thanksgiving plans? Are you able to be home with the family? No clue. Oh, yeah, I'll be home. Oh my, oh, my goodness. My son's coming home from college today. I'm picking him up at the airport after shows. I'm very excited. Oh, that's great. Where is he in school? Yes. Uh, he's at Wash U in St. Louis. Oh, awesome. fantastic. Awesome. Oh, good. That's great awesome. School. You guys yeah. get, get some time together. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be great. Love Thanksgiving. Always, yeah. always my one of my favorite days. Awesome. Well, enjoy the holiday. Yeah. Enjoy Nashville, and and maybe I look forward to seeing you sometime down the road. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, better times. No doubt. All right. Yeah, Dan. Thanks so much for the time. Happy holidays, and uh, best of luck the rest of the season. All right, same to you guys. Thanks. There you go, Dan Graziano from ESPN, uh, writing on ESPN.com. He's all over the place covering the NFL. He's on radio, TV. You see him on Get Up in the Morning on ESPN. Good stuff right there. We really appreciate his time. Uh, he's really all over the place. A short week for everybody with Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday, so we appreciate that. We also appreciate the time right now from Kalen Jackson, who is in studio with us. The Colts vice chairman and owner is with us to talk about the Colts and the upcoming game against the Steelers on Monday Night Football, which is also the kicking the stigma game for the Colts. We'll talk about that in depth right now. Kalen, thanks so much for the time today. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here on the pod. <laughs> I'm on the video and the Yeah, say hello. Audio. Yeah. Say hi. Hi, guys. This is fun. I'm excited to be here. No well, question. come back anytime. But in particular, <laughs> we do want to talk about the Kicking the Stigma game. This is the second season we've had a game dedicated to Kicking the Stigma. But this initiative has been years in the making for you and for the entire Ursay family, for this organization. And there has been so much excitement in particular over the last few months where we had Beyond the Sidelines, the first ever in-person event for Kicking the Stigma. There have been so many worthy grant recipients. We could touch on so many aspects of this. But for you, watching this grow, where have you seen the greatest impact that Kicking the Stigma has had so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, we could probably have multiple podcasts and still mm -hmm. not be done talking about all the amazing things that have come from this campaign and this initiative. Um, and it's something that, you know, we've, we've done so much in the community, but I can honestly say this has probably been the most impactful, which I feel like is saying a lot. We've had a lot of efforts that have made a huge impact on this community that we are so proud of. But this, by far, has hit such a positive nerve in the community, both, you know, in the city, in the state. And then nationally, you know, I think that it reaches beyond our state. Um, and I think the impact, uh, I don't even think can be measured. Mm -hmm. We talk about that a lot in the sense that, you know, I could, I have a binder full of emails, letters from people that are sharing their personal stories and, and talking about what this means to them, the impact this has had on them, their family, their friends, their community, um, and what it means for an, a sports team to be putting their logo on this and caring about this. And I think that we thought that it would be impactful, but not like this. Um, and in and, and such a, you know, in, to have the impact like this means so much to us. I think we talk a lot about, you know, my dad's a very spiritual person, and I think we all are as well through him and my mom. And this is the life purpose type work that mm -hmm. you hope to find. And, and I think that really being able to use our own personal family trauma mm -hmm to share it with others is a really big part of healing and, and a big part of the mental health, you know, therapeutic, you know, community, if you will. And a lot of people who, who go through struggles like this will understand what that means. So for us to be able to share our story um, in this way is really unique for us as well and such a gift. And I think that I've said it a lot, but I think I'll say it again is that for the first time, 
we're telling our story instead of the story being told about us, which is, um, again, a really unique experience for us. But I would say that, you know, for us, like I said, this is the first time an NFL team has stamped their mark on mental health. This is the first time, last year was the first game any NFL team has ever, ever dedicated a game to mental health. And so this year will be the second year. And our hope is that people will see that and join us because this is just too important of a topic to, to be the only ones talking about it. The name Kicking the Stigma comes from wanting people to treat mental health as health and not feel that there is something they should be ashamed of by what they are experiencing and having the perspective of and the privilege of working with you on producing a lot of these pieces I have been so overwhelmed just seeing how many people are willing to talk about it and use their voice and use their use their platform how encouraged have you been not only by people within this organization across the NFL across the country very prominent people who've lent their voices but maybe also just in people who are more comfortable in conversations with you or things that you've overheard where people are more forthcoming in talking about their experiences. And that's truly where we can change the trajectory of how people are experiencing this trauma. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we always say thank you to every single person who has lent their voice, but also thank you to every single person who has sent their story and and shared. Some of these people are saying, I've never told anybody this yeah. and they're telling me they don't even know me. But I think that shows you the power of of seeing someone who you know is not going to judge you mm-hmm. make someone want to share with you. And so I think that that's the power in telling your story. And that's what we tell everybody when they're like, what can I do? Even if you can't give money, that's what you can do. Mm-hmm. You can be open. You can be show your vulnerability if you're comfortable because it is a strength. And it shows someone. It takes strength to speak up. And it takes strength to make a wave, if you will, um, and, and to – be outside the norm or the box and people don't expect you to share those things but it matters um and I think that someone you know for our whole lives we've been a pretty open family um you know with our friends or anyone we meet we're just kind of an open book and I think forever we people share stuff with us they tell us things and I think it's because we don't even notice it because it's just how we are but it's because of that um and I think that seeing that there is no judgment makes you feel safe and I think that's what we're trying to create more of Um, you know my dad talks a lot about if someone has cancer you don't judge them for having cancer you know it's not their fault and there's no difference here these are diseases Mm -hmm. these are illnesses that are not anyone's fault and you know I I always say if anyone's listening remember that it's not your fault and that we see you and we know that and I think the conversation is changing we have a lot of work to do still but um, I think that we're definitely headed in the right direction. And I think, like you mentioned, the wonderful grant recipients, um, we have about 38 now to date over two years of awarding our grant, our King of the Stigma grant. Um, and seeing those organizations and the people that work in those and the people that are truly, in my mind, the real heroes and the people that are the boots on the ground and really you know, getting their hands dirty, if you will, and helping people every day, those people give me hope. You know, that's what makes me want to keep going and there are good people out there and there are people that understand and so the more we can shine a light on something or or you know put our horseshoe on something or get someone who wouldn't typically write an article about mental health but they do because we're involved in it right that's the kind of stuff and the impact that we're able to have and we hope that other 
teams in the NFL, the NFL and other leagues even right. take notice and and see the impact and see the impact that they can have by using their platform and using, you know, their notoriety in such a positive way. And and that is not to say that they so many of them don't do that already in so many different areas, but I think this is just such a taboo topic for so long. I hope that we make them look up and think, "Oh, okay, this is okay to talk about it." You know, come join us. You wouldn't be alone. Right. We we started this and and it's safe, you know, because I think, I mean, look at us. I mean, look at us and our family and our story. Like I said, everyone knows very publicly that my dad has struggled with a substance use disorder and is thankfully in recovery and doing really well. But if we can stand up and talk about it, and for so long it felt like something we should avoid and and maybe we should not shine light on it because it might make people more judgmental of our past. If we can do it, then you can do it. And I think that that's what a lot of our players are seeing too when they are sharing their story. To them, it may just seem like no one's going to care about this or, you know, it's just, you know, I, yeah, I struggled with something at some point. But then they see just by sharing a minute or two minutes of what happened to them, mm-hmm. that literally is saving someone's life. And they have come up and told them so. And so to feel that impact is huge. And you can't describe that feeling. And I, I know that it has changed a lot of the way people look at things. Colts vice chairman and owner Kalen Jackson is with us here in the Colts radio studio talking about uh, the upcoming game on Monday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers and, of course, kicking the stigma. Kalen, how, how have you seen kicking the stigma grow in such a short amount of time, right? I mean, you started this in 2020. Um, the program has raised more than $17 million to expand treatment and research and raise awareness all over the country. $17 million. I mean, that's that's huge. How have you been able to do that, and how have you seen that money really make a difference? Yeah, and so I'll correct you just so we're PC. It's we've committed over seventeen okay. million, um, but still, it's a big number, sure. and it's it's all going toward whether it's awareness pieces or um, you know equi- equitable access to resources. These the grant recipients, mm-hmm. you know, there's a long list, or it's just personal donations um, right. from my dad um, to you know there are a variety of ones that are very publicized, like a million to IU Healths. Um, addiction center and also, you know, a million to create a new addiction center in Carmel. There's a, a bunch that have been given. I c- again, we could stay here all night and talk about sure. all the wonderful organizations. But I think um, the PSAs are also a big piece. And I think that they've been super impactful because I think if you look way back to when we started this, we had talked about this being our you know main initiative back in the summer and spring of 2019. So we knew um, we wanted to, I'm sorry, of 2020. And so we knew we wanted to head that way. Um, you know, COVID hit. We couldn't do exactly what we wanted. And so we kind of had to shift gears. But I think that was such a unique, perfect kismet timing, if you will, because it helped so many more people needed help during that time. So many people felt yeah. more isolated and alone. Right, right. And I think that really helped springboard this. Um, in the sense that more people were at home and saw our PSAs and, and were looking more for something to do and look at and, and even looking for help. And so I think that that was a huge thing. And we were happy to be able to be that light in that dark time for so many people. But I think it's grown so organically, which is why I think it's been so successful is because it truly is just people. We just were having organizations you know, people that have status, whether that be celebrity or just random fans that we were making connections all over the country. Um, and this grew so naturally. And I think I always say, too, I think it connected so well because it is coming from such a genuine place and such a 
place of lived experience. Um, we know what it feels like to feel alone and we know what it feels like to be misunderstood. Um, but I think for us to looking at, if we go back to the game and it being, you know, games, the NFL and teams have had such success in making impact in areas, you know, whether that be cancer or military or you, you right, name it. Right. And I think this is hopefully going to be that someday. Um, and I think that we're starting that and we hope to be joined, like I said. But so when we started it last year, players were wearing shirts during warm up and we'll be having that again this year. We're excited to say that we'll be having shirts available for purchase in the pro shop and online this year, which is new. Um, we also have um, a gift with donation opportunity for our King Sigma beanies mm-hmm. um, that will also be available. And I think that's such a beautiful thing, too, because we've had such response from fans asking for that and wanting to wear it and that's a big deal i mean mm-hmm. yes it has a horseshoe on it but it's also talking about mental health like who would have thought that that would have been something you know even five years ago that people were wanting to wear around um so if we can have that kind of impact um i think we'll never know i think you know we talk about that a lot too there's probably thousands of people that this will touch that will never have any idea they won't write the letter they won't right. you know any of that but it made a difference um and I think we talk about this a lot, too. I think people feel very overwhelmed by this topic. Like, how can I help? What am I supposed to do? How do I help my family members? What do I do? Um, especially if they can't give. You know, not everyone can give, you know, thousands of dollars. And you don't have to do that. And I think, like I said, a big piece is sharing your story, but also sharing the work that we're doing, sharing what resources there are, um, and just being a part of the conversation is a huge part. And I think everyone knows that one of the biggest problems is the system is broken. Mm-hmm. But what we always say is that doesn't mean that we can't fix it. And I'm really proud of yeah. our state and of our city. Um, and a lot of the people that are working at the high level on the state are really looking at this very seriously. And I will say the conversations I've had have given me a lot of hope in the sense that our state is really setting us up to be one of the more successful ones. Um, and we aren't right now. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. We are in the top five of all the things you do not want to be in the top five for depression, anxiety, suicide, you name it. But we're headed in the right direction. And I hope that we're a big part of that. Kaylin, you mentioned how one person sharing his or her story can save a life. And I want to go back because this is something that Shaq Leonard shared with me at the Beyond the Sidelines event. But Shaq told me a story that when he was at the Ursae Collection concert at Lucas Oil Stadium, there was a security guard or someone who was working at, at the stadium that day who stopped Shaq and said, I was in a really dark place. I was really struggling. I was considering ending my life. I saw your story. I saw what you you had said, and that really inspired me and motivated me. And I just want to thank you for that. I'm doing much better now. And he and Shaq had a moment, and that was just such a testament to how this touches people. And you have no idea how much impact it can have on a person. And I'm looking at just the list of guys who I'm thinking of that we've had conversations with, Yannick Ngakwe, DeForest Buckner, Sam Ellinger, Ben Banigou, Julian Blackman, Quiddy Pay, guys across this team who have all really welcomed and embraced the opportunity to share their stories and to spread the message. And we have two opportunities coming up, Kicking the Stigma Game, my cause, my cleats, in which kicking the stigma will be at the forefront. I know a handful of players who have excitedly joined uh, kicking the stigma for their my cause, my cleats initiative. That'll be the Dallas game coming up. How do you describe 
seeing how overwhelming it is for so many guys to wear the shirts, wear the cleats, mm-hmm. do it on game day. Of course, they're always you know representing the last name on the back of their jersey yeah. and the horseshoe on the helmet. But now they're also representing kicking the stigma. No, I think it means so much. Like I remember last year was the first year where they could have picked it and there were so many and I remember calling and being like is this are you serious like this many did that and I know that may sound silly to some but it's like they can pick anything and there's so many things that touch them and to know that one they support us in that way and that we've created a culture that you know we have that relationship with our players I hope it showcases that you know and I hope that they really feel the genuineness behind it for them as well because we really are focused on the whole player and I think we ha- pride ourselves in being one of the first to have a clinician on staff and and you know our clinician is in fact on the advisory council for clinicians of the league and in fact all of those programs across the league for clinicians at every team was based on our program so mm-hmm. that was before any of this even started and so you know there's been a lot of work behind the scenes before Keegan Stigma was actually an outward facing um, initiative but this has always been in our heart and this has always been something that we cared about and we are just honestly honored to be able to share this change the world and shout it from the rooftops that this is something to look at and this is something to care about it's colts vice chairman and owner kaylin jackson with us last one for me kaylin you've been so gracious with your time um the game itself monday night football the first home Monday night game for the Colts since 2015. That's going to be awesome, right? It's going to be so fun. (laughs) You're going to have some buzz. You know, of course, like my dad, you know, obviously has made his opinions very clear that we feel like we deserved (laughs) this. And now it's finally here for our fans. You know, we really care about that and we want that for our fans and for our city. Um, You know, I think people can say since we came here in the 80s, you know, the love that we feel and the ingrainment we have in the community really truly means so much to us mm-hmm. um we feel like it's a family and it's a small big town as we say um and so we're just so happy for our fans to be able to have it back happy for our players and you know that when i saw that schedule come out i was like that's a kicking the sigma game because <laughs> yeah. oh, we want as many eyes on it as possible and i think right. that that's the point of prime time and sure i think that you know it's obviously been a really unique season um never a dull moment over here <laughs> mm-hmm. um but you know at the same time i you know we talk about it all the time there's a lot of noise outside this building um and we know who we are and our players knew, know who we are and that does not change no matter what so and, and what are some things that that fans will see uh, things that they will hear about kicking the stigma, either watching the game or being at the game uh, versus yeah. the Steelers. So, again, you will see the players um, wearing shirts during warm-up, mm-hmm. and we actually had some made for the Steelers as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, like I said, our hope is that other teams and the NFL um, and even other leagues join us in this mission. And so that's an opportunity for that, which we're really excited about this year. We'll have our beanies available um, with a $30 gift with donation, and then the, some shirts will also be in the pro shop and online but really a lot of it is about sharing you know we hope that people tweet and instagram and talk about this talk about even don't do that talk about it with your family talk about with your friends um look at the resources that we have on our website Mm -hmm. look at everything that we have available um look at the organizations that we support and if you feel so inclined please support them as well um and just try to help us 
change this in our yeah. community and, and in the country. One quick thing, I have to brag on Kaylin and congratulate the entire Ursay family because they were last week the recipient of the highest award that Indiana Sports Corp gives as the Pathfinder Award, certainly because of things like kicking the stigma, but all of the work that the family has committed yourselves to over many decades here within central Indiana, really across the state of Indiana. It was a spectacular event, and so many people came up to me afterward to talk about how incredible you are, how incredible the work is, in particular of kicking the stigma and the incredible impact that has been had so a big round of applause and congratulations no to doubt. Kaylin and no the entire Ursa so family on nice and I, I think award. I have to say you know thank you to Sports Court but also yeah. we genuinely couldn't do what we do without the city mm-hmm. and the people that work in the city and the people that were in that room for example mm-hmm. we have such good partners um, both with other sports teams in town and and other just businesses that enable us to have the impact that we have and it's truly all about that give and take with the partners in the city and we feel so grateful to be in Indianapolis. No doubt. That's Kaylin Jackson with us, vice chairman and owner of the Indianapolis Colts. Colts and Steelers Monday night. It's also the Kicking the Stigma game. Kaylin, thank you so much for the time. You're welcome anytime. Come back soon. Thank you. We- I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate and continued success. Thank you so much. And that's Kaylin Jackson with us. All things Kicking the Stigma. Matt Taylor, Lara Overton, JJ Stankovitz is back with us here on the podcast. Time now for all things Twitter mailbag. JJ, what do you got? This comes from our loyal listener Brian DeWitt at Brian DeWitt 86 on Twitter even after the first loss under Saturday this team seems to have a different energy about them do you see the team keeping this type of energy throughout the rest of the season and happy Thanksgiving thank you Brian there you go happy Thanksgiving to you sir I think energy is good like you want to have it but even Jeff Saturday admitted after the game uh in Las Vegas that emotion kind of wears off about halfway through the first quarter and then it comes down to execution mm-hmm and ultimately, it it's going to come down to that. It's not going to come down to how much energy the Colts have in practice during the week or to start the game. It's going to come down to can they execute throughout the game, just like we've been talking about. And Jeff Saturday has brought a good level level of energy. Um, you can see, you know, that little boost helping out at certain times. But ultimately, you know, it comes down to can you execute against really good players that you're facing like you're going to face on Monday night against the Steelers. And can you win those matchups? Can you win your one-on-one matchups? Can your O-line play five as one? Can your quarterback make the correct reads? Can your running back break through right. the holes? And can you make plays in the red zone when it counts? Yeah. That's what that's what matters more than energy. I think that you do. You, you will see this type of energy because mm-hmm. I think that's the characteristic of, of Jeff and what he's going to bring. But you have to have – the ability to sustain it and also inject it in different ways when it's necessary to draw upon it in different situations. You got a couple of tough situations coming up. You're going to go into Dallas, you know, on a short week. You've got some, you know, right now at least some primetime games, some, you know, high status opportunities that you have ahead of you. You've got holidays coming up. This is a time where I do think that that energy will be put to the test because when you have a massive change within a team like the you know like a, a head coaching change or personnel changes those different things those things are going to naturally invoke energy but there are going to be different ways that you're going to have to draw upon and find that energy moving forward and I do think Jeff will be able to do that with this group all right let's go to random thought of the week Steelers are up next Monday night game the Colts are looking for their first win against the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2008. 
So with that in mind, Lara Overton, what were you doing? Where were you my, in 2008? Because Jeff oh Saturday, my. Jeff Saturday was the starting center yeah. for the Colts the last time the Steelers fell to Indianapolis. I'm not going to lie. I had to dive into the Facebook archives to, <laughs> confirm, oh, to confirm exactly what I was doing. Oh. Uh, so I was living uh, in southern Indiana and working at WDRB Fox 41 in Louisville. I was a production assistant on the morning show and was trying to you know, carve my teeth in the business and establish myself as a reporter and find mm-hmm. a way into an on-air position. So I had, I thought I needed to appear older and a little more mature, so I chopped my hair into um, not my favorite haircut ever. It was like Can we that, see a picture? Oh, Do you have a picture? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what Facebook archives are for. So, oh, yeah, I have this, like, very bright blonde, like, angled bob <laughs> here. Like, I probably- oh, I like that. I probably need to talk to a manager, you know, right here with this haircut, so- <laughs> Why do you Why do you not like it? I think I it, it looks fine. I need to talk to a manager. I That's think it looks great. fine. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Beite. Uh Yeah, so I was, like, really trying to be taken serious as a professional woman in television, which I obviously would, would never ultimately become. You thought that so, made you look older. <laughs> I don't know. More more sophisticated. It, yeah, it gave me a little credibility or something. Yeah. So that's I appreciate what, the hustle though. That's what I was doing. Love it. JJ, yeah. where were you and you you're probably still in college, right? Yeah, oh, here it? we go. Here's another angle of it. Like look yeah. at that. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 That was the look. I mean, that was, was the craze like, twelve years so ago. So this is terrible for a, a podcast for a non you know video medium. But yeah, it was cut like to my chin length, and and so you can just imagine. I'll let you paint the picture. Maybe I'll post one. Yeah, <laughs> if you know, you know, right? One of those. <laughs> if moments. you know, you know. Hmm. Two thousand eight. I was a sophomore at the University of Missouri, spending a lot of time in the journalism lab because I was cool. <laughs> Uh, it's the coolest. But I was spending my Saturdays watching uh, Mizzou football. Yeah, of course. Quarterbacked by Chase Daniel. Uh, and Matt Eberflus was the Matt Eberflus yeah. was the defensive Amazing. coordinator of those Amazing. Missouri Tigers. Yeah, who was. Big letdown. They were uh, number one in the country for a week my freshman year in 2007. Went into 2008 with a lot of guys returning. Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin. Wasn't Kansas really good back then, they too? Were not t- yeah, they were, Matt. And it <laughs> Oh no! I, really I, disappointing I, because this weekend I'm honestly trying not to be a, that no, guy. Because I, the the two worst memories I have in was, college was that the same year? No, uh, that was uh, 2007 where okay. we beat Kansas. But the one of the worst memories I have in college <laughs> is 2008 I weekend after you, Thanksgiving. I, I go to Arrowhead Stadium to watch Mizzou Kansas <laughs> at the end of the year. Mizzou is wearing these just butt ugly gold jerseys. They were terrible. And Chase Daniel, it's his last game. Last regular season game, it's against Kansas, yep. and it's snowing at Arrowhead Stadium. We are miserable in the stands, and Kansas wins the game. I'll never forget Todd Reesing threw a pass to some guy named Kerry Meyer in the end zone What's right he in front doing of me. Now? I don't know. He's probably in finance <laughs> or something. and He's probably doing well. Right in front of me, and it's a two-hour drive from Kansas City back to Columbia, and I didn't warm up until the end of the drive. Oh, I've been there. And then the worst I've memory I had was Nadamik and Sue kind of like ruined Blaine Gabbert's career. On a Thursday night game in 2009. And that's how long he's been around. That is how long Nadamakan Sue has been at the front of my conscience. Still getting it done for the Philadelphia Eagles now. In 2008, I was working at a country music station in Newcastle, Indiana. Love it. I was working weekends, Saturday to Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, I would work from, my shift started at like 4 o'clock and I'd go until 8 o'clock. And I basically did whatever I wanted. I played whatever I wanted. It was a new, I mean, it's a typical top 40, if you will, 
country music station. Okay. But I played whatever I wanted and no one cared. <laughs> Not, I never got a phone call. Like I was playing Merle Haggard and Marshall Tucker and Leonard Skinner and uh, Johnny Cash and no one said a word to me and it was awesome. Because is- I hate new country music. I love the old stuff. I would take phone calls. I would take requests. So I did that on the weekends. I was doing high school football. I was traveling with the IU women's volleyball team yes. uh, around the Big Ten and called their match, uh, matches. So I did a bunch of like part-time stuff. 2008, honestly, is one of the best years just in terms of fun and, and uh, entertainment and enjoyment. You know, I was I was with my uh, now wife for about a year and a half at that point. So we were kind of still dating and it was fresh and new and fun. We were going out. So 2008 is a is a fond memory for me year-wise growing up. I love that. So hopefully the Colts can get a win against the Steelers for the first time since 2008. Uh, Lara, will you be recalling 2008 on 360 this week, (laughs) or do you have other plans? Well, thank God my hair has moved past 2008. (laughs) Uh, On the show, we have Coach Saturday in studio. We have Yannick Ngakwe as well. Incredible. And then also uh, a piece on horseshoe helpings. The Colts and all of the players and their many partners are making sure that thousands of families across central Indiana have a Thanksgiving meal. So they are distributing those meals right now at Lucas Oil Stadium. We will have a recap of that incredible event so, on 360. So I did the morning shift at yeah. Horseshoe Helpings, and I was out there slinging spuds, picking up slinging fifty count, fifty pound bags of potatoes, should and anybody unloading invite them. you home to cook their turkey? I would, yeah, they should. <laughs> I would like to point out at Horseshoe Helpings that normal people were loading up cars holding two gallons of milk, one in each hand. Uh-huh. Bernard Ryman can hold four gallons of milk <laughs> wow. in his two hands. It was unbelievable. I was like, if I tried to do that, my fingers would fall off, and he's doing it like it's absolutely nothing. Fantastic. Shout out to Bernard Ryman That's for helping load ripped, up cars man. a lot faster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holding up 2%, burliest, four gallons at a time. Burliest milkman you've ever seen <laughs> Absolutely. Right there. JJ, what are you writing about this week? So I don't know if I'm going to get to it this week or next uh, with it being around the holiday, you know, Thanksgiving. I'm trying not to hose down Colts.com too much. You know, folks are spending time with their families. Please, they're don't, watching. please don't hose it down. They're, they're watching USA England on Friday. You know, I don't want to, you know, take away from that. But mm. uh, next, at some point in the next, call it, week and a half, I'm going to write what I think is going to be my favorite story I've ever written for the Colts. I know where he's going. I went around this. the locker room starting on Friday, and I started asking players, all right, if football didn't exist as a sport, you're a great athlete. What sport are you playing? Okay. I have got some okay. fascinating responses. Are you running the gamut there? I'm like running the gamut in lacrosse, a way that I did not expect. Basketball? Got rugby, basketball. Yeah. Uh, I got tennis okay. from a player. I got golf from a player, and it's not the player you would expect. It's not Matt Ryan. It was not Matt Ryan. He's Matt a really Ryan good golfer, a, right? Matt Ryan had a different answer. To which I pushed back, and I was like, dude, you're a scratch golfer. He was like, ah, yeah, but you know, being a pro golfer is different than being a scratch golfer. I was like, you're just being modest. Like, <laughs> Matt Ryan's the best golfer on the team. Um, yeah, yeah. Got some really good stuff from Paris Campbell on what he would be. And uh, I'm going to go try to do a little more surveying this week and then run it next week. because, And it all started because ESPN ran this just, like, awful graphic of like, imagine if this was the U.S. soccer team and it was like all the best athletes in America. It was like Mike Trout, Odell Beckham Jr., Patrick Kane, Patrick Mahomes. And it's just like, 
what if this team played in the World Cup? They would lose ten to nothing. <laughs> yeah, there was, every there game. was wait, there was a tweet that I saw yesterday that was like, Wales Wales just better be happy we didn't send Derek Henry over and I thought that was hilarious. I can't rationally talk about what happened in the US match. I don't know what yet. happened, but yes. I can't so I, was like, I can't oh. do it. I yeah, can't do it. It was too neither. much of a gut. Lara, let's go watch the highlights. Let's go catch up. I have no idea either. But we'll We'll figure it out coming up. I think the World Cup. Why, why is the World Cup in November, not the okay. summer? Uh, give me, give me like the two sentences. Okay. Do you really two, want to go into that? Is, do you really want to get in this? Yeah. How 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 geopolitical do you want to get with this? Give, so, me, give me the elevator answer. There were bribes involved to get the World Cup to the country that is hosting it. Okay. And Enough said. that Enough country said. is quite hot in the summer. If you've ever <laughs> okay. been to the Middle East, it gets Very quite good. hot. So hot that you can't hold a so soccer hot. tournament. So hot. So you have to move it to November gotcha. and December gotcha. because it's cold it's cool enough outside to play soccer for ninety minutes. Gotcha. Uh in that country. And that was more than two sentences. Sorry. But it was well done. It was a run on sentence. <laughs> a lot of commas. A lot of commas. A lot of, a lot of M dashes. <laughs> I love a good M dash. Here you go. We're loaded up on audio, as always. Colts Roundtable Live. Jeff Saturday, last night on Monday, discusses the close loss to the Eagles. We've got daily updates tonight and Wednesday. We're off on Thursday, obviously, because of Thanksgiving. Inside football is back this week. The blueprints from Rick to break down the Steelers. Know your foe this week. Our guest there is Brooke Pryor, who covers the uh, Steelers for ESPN, and then on Friday, myself in for JMV because he's out for the long weekend. I'll have Colts Happy Hour for you on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan instant reaction is going to drop on probably Tuesday morning, JJ, with yeah, yourself Tuesday and morning. Bill Brooks after the Monday night game against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Guys, have a fantastic rest of the week, a fantastic Thanksgiving coming up. If you guys are traveling, be safe. So, guys, appreciate the time, and Lara, enjoy your sides. Cheers to that. Enjoy all of your sides and leave some turkey for JJ because he'll brine it for you. (laughs) For JJ, Lara, I'm Matt Taylor. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. We'll do it again next week following Colts and Steelers on primetime. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week.